We're in a series entitled, I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And the uh, intent of this series, uh, at least in Jesus' words, is to help us understand, as we began the service, to know Him better, who He is. And as we go through these I Am's of Jesus as found in the Gospels, the one thing we discover almost in each of them is also uh, just biblical proof uh, for His deity, that He is God, not just Jesus, the Son of Man, but the Son of God as well. And this morning, we turn to another one of these I am's where he recognizes himself as I am the gate. Now, when I grew up, it was I am the door, but I like the translation better, the gate, because we're going to be talking about a sheep's gate that, uh, later on in the service. And so I prefer as well where he says, I am the gate. And that's found in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. If you want to follow along in the, your Bibles, there's Bibles in the chairs in front of you underneath. Elsa, listen as we hear these words where Jesus identifies himself as the gate. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Now, Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. Anyone, of, anyone who does not enter the sheep by the gate but climbs in in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus gave a speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it. Told them gatekeepers this morning. They were gatekeepers who, who, had, the job, who had the job of uh, letting people in or preventing people from going in. And if you had the right ticket, if you had the right pass, they would let you through the gate. But if you did not, you were not going to get in. They guarded the gate. They guarded Disney World. They were in charge of who got in and who were not allowed to go in. And, and as I started preparing this message three or four weeks ago, I began thinking of all, all the gatekeepers that I've encountered over my lifetime so far, because there's gatekeepers uh, all over the place. And let me just, just uh, recall a few of them to mind. I recall that I was uh, applying to different colleges after I graduated from high school. I, I, I soon came across a number of gatekeepers. There were college admission officers. And they were the gatekeepers of the college. They would determine who they're going to let in and who they were going to not let in. And in certain places, you had to have a certain not let in. And in certain places, you had to have a certain GPA to get in, let you in. I recalled when I went to Europe with a, with a soccer team at Calvin College, and, and in order to get into a foreign country, 
Uh, Janet just went through this. You had to show your passport at, at the Border Patrol. The Border Patrols are gatekeepers. They decide who may enter and who may not enter their land. I recall as I go back and forth to Chicago or here or there, often you'll come across a toll booth. And they have gates down in front of them, so you can't just drive right through, although some people have. Certain power that gatekeepers have, whether they're going to grant... Certain power that gatekeepers have, whether they're going to grant you entrance or whether they're going to deny you entrance, as I heard in Janet's presentation, that can happen as well. Did you know that... At the gates of heaven, there's a gatekeeper. Think about it for a moment. At the gates of heaven, a gatekeeper. There, there's, there's someone who grants entrance and someone who denies entrance. You may have been taught poorly, some of you, that everybody goes to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. The gatekeeper, as we're going to discover who that is this morning, the gatekeeper determines who they're going to let into heaven and who they're going to prevent from going into heaven. Do you have an idea who that gatekeeper might be? Uh, some people think it's uh, St. Peter. And I'm sure you've heard a number of jokes about standing at the pearly gates of heaven with seeking entrance with St. Peter. I found one that I want to share this morning. A woman found herself standing at the pearly gates and St. Peter greeted her and said, these are the gates to heaven, but you must do one more thing before you can enter. The woman was very excited and asked St. Peter what she must do. Spell a word, St. Peter replied. What word, she asked. Any word, answered St. Peter. It's your choice. The woman promptly replied, then the word I will spell is love, L-O-V-E. St. Peter welcomed her in and asked her if she would mind taking a place at the gates for a few minutes while he took a break. So the woman is left sitting at St. Peter's chair when, when a man approaches the gates and she realizes that it's her husband. What happened, she cried. Well, why are you here? Her husband stared at her for a moment and said, I was so upset when I left the funeral, I got into an accident. Did I really make it to heaven? Oh, not yet, she replied. You must first spell a word. And what word is that, he asked. Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Some people think St. Peter is the gatekeeper to heaven standing by the pearly gates, granting or denying entrance. And the reason they do that, it's because Matthew in, in chapter 16 says that Jesus gave to Peter the keys of the kingdom. And that Peter therefore has the power of determining who gets in and who gets out of heaven. But that's a really poor interpretation of scripture. Uh, that's just a bad exegesis for sake of words. It's not the intended meaning. Some think it's St. Peter. There are others. In fact, there are many religions who believe that it's an angel. And a number of non-Christian religions teach that it's an angel standing at the gates of heaven and allowing people in and out. But the Bible, of course, gives no information or text regarding that. So if it's not Peter, and if it's not an angel, 
then who might it be? Who has that power? As we approach John chapter 10 this morning, we find these religious leaders that Jesus came up against during his years of ministry here on earth, called the Pharisees. And they were the religious leaders. No one appointed them to be gatekeepers of heaven. But they were self-appointed. And they had gotten into the practice and the custom of determining who gets into heaven and who does not get into heaven. They were self-appointed gatekeepers. And the problem was, they began to impose upon people certain regulations. That if you want to get into heaven, if you want to get through the gates, and, and since we're the guardians of heaven, there are certain things you need to do. And one of those things was you've you got to take up the law of Moses. And you've got to obey it perfectly to get into heaven. Not only the law of Moses, but we're going to add on 630 hours that you have to follow. And if you can abide by the laws of Moses... And if you can follow these 630 other laws, regulations, traditions that we have, then you can get into heaven and go through the gates. But if you don't meet those qualifications, we're not going to let you through the gates. You will be left standing at the gates. And he begins to interact with them. And uh, he says, boy, I got a problem here. I, I got to have not only these Pharisees, but I have to have people throughout the ages understand what does it take to get into heaven? What does it take to get through the gates of heaven? What kind of pass? What kind of ticket? How do I get through those gates and, and be assured that I can go to heaven? And so he tells us the story about a shepherd. He tells the story about the good shepherd because he wants to properly identify who is the gatekeeper of heaven. Now, as Jesus was telling this story, this picture would surely come to mind of the new t people in the New Testament era, because this, this would be a, a typical setting and pretty much what a sheep pen looked like. They were usually about five feet high, piled rocks and the like, and there was often a gate in front. And notice the shepherd would be sitting by the gate. Uh, not only would, would the shepherd be considered the gatekeeper, but also the gate. And after the, the shepherd would take their sheep out, and by the way, the, as the scriptures read, the, the shepherd knew a lot of these sheep by names. In fact, sometimes they would have two or three groups of sheep in the same pen, and the shepherd would come to the door and say, Gertrude, Bessie, come on out, and they'd come running out. They would take them out to pass. And there were often two or three different groups of sheep in there. And, and the reason they were in this through the night was to protect them to guard them from, from, from wolves and, and outside threats. And that's why, because of the, just the, the low height, we'd often see wolves and other people jumping over, climbing over these rocks to get at the sheep. Jesus tells them the story about the sheep's pen and the shepherd. And that just like people who would determine who gets through the gate and who does people who would determine who gets through the gate and who does not when it comes to heaven. Now, the Pharisees, as I said, were self-appointed leaders. They said, we're in charge of who gets to heaven. We're the religious leaders of the day. And we're going to grant entrance or deny entrance, depending if they're following the laws that we set. And they were making determination to enter heaven, to the gates of heaven, 
for all the wrong reasons. And that was a problem that Jesus had to correct. And you may remember, or some of you may remember, familiar with the scriptures, that Jesus became very harsh, very harsh with these religious leaders. Because they were denying entrance to people. We read that Jesus says to the Pharisees, Woe to you, teachers of the law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Listen, you see the knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you are hindering those who want to enter. How, how did these Pharisees shut the door? How did these Pharisees shut the gate from, from not allowing people to enter? Two ways. One, as I just mentioned, abide by all the laws that set out in front of them. That obedience to the law and these 630 other laws, you have to obey. And if you don't obey and keep them, you're not allowed in. And that includes people who aren't Jews. That includes sinners, tax collectors, anybody else who wasn't a Jew. You're just not allowed in. You're not a child of Abraham, right? But the second reason Jesus had to correct it is because the Pharisees were not expecting him who is the true gate. And the Pharisees were rejecting Jesus. And by rejecting Jesus, they were teaching people to reject Jesus, which they did. And by rejecting Jesus, they as well were losing an opportunity to get through the gate and go to heaven. The Pharisees were the robbers. They were the thieves. They were the people who were robbing others of salvation. And Jesus had had none of it. Jesus had had none of it. Enough. Jesus sets a straight in John chapter 10, verse 9, when he says, I'm the gate. Not the Pharisees, not Peter, not an angel. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the gate. I am the gatekeeper. I and I alone determines who gets into heaven and who does not? It's what the Pharisees had to hear. And it's what you and I have to hear. It's what other religions have to hear as well. In other words, Jesus says, listen, you've got to stop robbing others of the opportunity to be saved by rules and regulations and rituals and traditions that you may have set in your tradition. You need to stop denying entrance to the gates totally based on your traditions and regulations. Now I thought about that uh, with my own tradition growing up as a reformed Christian and um, it brought to mind another Peter at the Gates story. And um, boy, they fell in love with each other. And um, boy, the council called wind to that. And they were going to discipline him being a reformed girl. Because you got to know that unless you're Christian Reformed, you're not going to go to heaven, right? And it was like, that was the big news of the day. And those were kind of the regulations and traditions and rituals they had that if you weren't part of the Christian Reformed Church, we, you can't get to heaven kind of thing. One author writes, a man arrived at the gates of heaven and St. Peter asked him, denomination? The man said, Lutheran. St. Peter looked down at his list and said, I'll go to room 24, but be very quiet as you go by. And yet we got to be truthful to ourselves and say, no matter what religious tradition you belong to, 
no matter what Christian denomination you belong to, we've got to be very careful about imposing our stuff, even what we might call our Reformed accent on people, meaning that if you don't become a Reformed kind of persuasion, you're not going to get That's very Pharisaic-like, okay? I happen to love the Reformed tradition, the Reformed accent, we call that, a Reformed theology. But not all Christian theologies are, are, are Reformed theology in some places. And we've got to be very careful if we want to set ourselves up higher or more worthy of going through the gates of heaven. Because you will not enter heaven because you can trust in your own good works. He writes, see, there is no amount of charity giving, community work, no amount of kind words, no amount of how many times you go and do a service project, for sake of words, that will ever add up enough so that you will get through the gates of heaven. We are commanded to do good works, but after we have salvation in God and not to earn our salvation, so many are trying to please God by their good works and thinking that their good works are going to get them through the gates. Secondly, you're not going to get through the gates of heaven because you have a trust in your own traditions. The author writes, I like traditions. Going to church, reading my Bible, praying, singing hymns of worship, mainly traditions of a religious nature, but religious traditions will not get you into heaven. Satan or sinners. But it was a religious tradition, religious leaders who finally had Jesus killed. You will not go through heaven's gates because you trust in your religion. You cannot trust your church to get you into heaven. You cannot trust your denomination to get you into heaven. You cannot trust your baptism. You cannot trust your taking of communion. You cannot trust your, your priest, pastor, spiritual leader to get you into heaven. Whatever good the school I went to, uh, or no matter how great the teachers were, I had to sit and pass my own exams before I got my diploma. So what can we do to get to heaven? How do we get through the gates? The Bible is crystal clear. There is one thing that you need to do. Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. And then later on in the book of Romans, if you confess through their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I think what Jesus is trying to teach us in I Am the Gate is to say, listen, to religious leaders, to those of us who are religious, to others, Jesus, listen. Getting through the gates is not so complicated. And don't make it overly complicated for people that I have called to be saved. How to be saved. It's not that complicated. The gospel is not that complicated. What do you have to do to get through the gates? One thing. One thing. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and you come to him and repentance and faith because Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone gave his blood on the cross as we go through this Lenten season. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ is that will be your check-in ticket at the gate. Nothing else will matter. It's good to have these other things. I value my tradition and my expressions of religion as a Christian Reformed guy. But the only thing that gets me into the gates of heaven is a Savior whose blood was shed for me. That's why we sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing more, 
nothing less. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you're if you have to think you have to become like us or like somebody else or, or, or be, belong to a certain denomination to get in, put that out of your mind. The only thing that gets you through the gates of heaven is the blood of Christ. Because Jesus says, I am alone. Well, just like the Pharisees, even legalistic at times, demanding that those that you are drawing to yourself have to become like us way with our rituals with our traditions even with our theological interpretations that aren't always clear in scripture forgive us when we think that way or tell people you have to do this that and the other thing to get into heaven remind us gate and we can be saved